You're listening to audio from Restoration Church. If you enjoyed the message and would like to get connected to our church, follow us on social media at Restoration Cambridge or at our website, restoration-church.ca. Send us a message and we would love to hear from you. Uh, Hello, everyone. There's a lot of you staring at me, which is great. Uh, I tried to wear a lot of layers so that if I sweat, you wouldn't be able to tell, but backfired because now I'm sweating a lot. Um, But this week we continue our series, it's our final week in our series, Uncomfortably Close, which, as Aaron said, we examine the incarnation, or Christ, the Son of God, taking on human form, coming very uncomfortably close to us, and how that brings with it a level of discomfort in a lot of different ways. And honestly, I've been loving this series. I think it's been a great reminder of how living a Christ-like life, a Christ-centered life, can be a little bit awkward at times, right? I mean, Aaron just last week mentioned how he was kind of taken aback when Jared, classic Jared move, uh, asked him, Aaron, how are you really doing? After he said that he was just fine, right? Sharing those little things so often can be really challenging. So, like, there's real fear when we need to share something more honest and open, like our faith, what we're struggling with, how we could be encouraged in the season of life. That brings with it, like I said, some real fear. You know, I want to have that intimate community with others, but I don't want to run the risk of being misunderstood or thought weak or awkward or canceled as I try to share my life or my faith with those around me. And for a second, you can almost even forget those that don't know God, right? This is even a struggle with other believers a lot of the time. My personal go-to is, how can I pray for you? But what I'm really saying is, like, how can I pray for you later when you're not here and I'm by myself? Like, the vulnerability in prayer is sometimes really hard for me to share. But that's why I love this series, because it's meant to kind of flip that on its head. It's meant to reframe the discomfort around a God that takes on human form, one that comes uncomfortably close, physically involving himself in our world to shoulder our burdens and ultimately liberate us from it. So just a bit of a recap of what we've talked about so far. Our first week, Aaron talked about the longing in our hearts for intimacy and how that is satisfied in the face of Jesus. He introduced us to, and Aaron, I loved this, uh, the front door Canadian and how, you know, we like to be friendly. We'll have a chat. We love a chat. But you're not coming in my house, right? I'm not going to share too much with you because there is discomfort in being found out or fully known. So that idea of a God that knows us more intimately than anyone ever could is simultaneously really comforting, but it's also really unsettling at the same time. And then last week, Colin talked about the significance of being uncomfortably close with one another, the church. We read through a portion of Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he asked the Father for intimacy and unity between believers so that their message of a loving and involved God would be that much more evident and clear. To be more specific, Colin talked about the importance of us communicating with one another, that intimacy comes only from genuine communication. Colin challenged us to connect with one another, to encourage one another, to bear one another's burdens, continually pushing each other towards God. And that importance of that was not stated on the authority of Colin, but on the authority of Jesus. And now, this morning, we're focusing on the third leg in that uncomfortably close stool, as it were, which is the discomfort associated with the Great Commission, our call to love and serve the world, but most importantly, to spread the good news of the gospel, right? That there is a God that loves and knows us intimately and wants relationship with us. God coming close to all of us should very much, of course, shape how we interact with other believers, but it also 
equally as much, maybe even more so, should shape how we pursue unbelievers with the truth of the gospel. So, if you would open your Bibles to John 20, 21. We will read together. I'll give you a second. John 20, 21. Okay, starting at verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Amen. And that's kind of it. That's our verse for this morning. Uh, But fear not, there is a lot to unpack there. We'll be making a lot of connections. I'm not just trying to be purposefully lazy. Uh, So let's pray as we open God's word this morning. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together as a church family and open your word. I pray that we would be encouraged this morning, that we would joyfully receive the message you have for us. Uh, Even if there is a bit of discomfort as we hear it, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to push through that and just be open, have open hearts and open hands to receive the message you have for us this morning. Amen. Okay. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I like to establish a bit about what's going on around the passages that I'm reading. And so we can do that here. The disciples, only a few short days after Jesus' death, have locked themselves in a room for fear that Jewish leaders would find and persecute them. Right then, quite miraculously, Jesus, a post-crucifixion, post-resurrection Jesus, appears to his friends. And I like the demonstration here of how well Jesus demonstrates that he knows his friends, right? That his first words are those of comfort, peace be with you. I know it is indeed a common traditional Jewish greeting, but I think it's also probably exactly what what they needed to hear at the time, right? Their friend was brutally murdered. They're now living in fear that they'll be found and beaten or maybe even experience the same brutal death that he did. And now this strange man finds his way into this locked room that they're in. I think we can agree that'd be a little unsettling. Uh, But then that familiar voice says to them, peace, peace be with you, turning that fear into joy. And I like the mention here of how this is not the first time that they've heard this kind of thing from Jesus, that he's always doing this. Um, This could refer to John 14, 27, which says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of God is supernatural. It is lasting far beyond anything that we could ever award ourselves. It could also refer to that classic verse, John 16, 33, which says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trial or struggle or heartache, but take heart for I have overcome the world. These verses serve as a reminder for us and for the disciples that the world will not give you any kind of substantial peace, right? That comes from Christ alone. In this moment of fear and doubt, he is reminding his followers that he, like things that he said all along, He's almost saying, like, guys, we've been through this. It's not easy following me, as you very well know and have lived these past few days. But you can rest assured that I am always with you. I will always sustain you. I am enough. Jesus is enough. So remember those reminders of peace as we move into the later discussions here. The next part of that verse, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is kind of the start of the meat and potatoes of our discussion this morning. Christ, the incarnate God, is sending his disciples out into the world. You know, as you have seen me proclaim the truth of the name of God, that's now what I want you to do. Take up the torch, go into the world, and make God known, as I have taught you. 
Something to note here is that he's sending them with the example of his own life as a reference, right? The first part of that verse influences the second. As the Father is sending me, even so I am sending you. He's revealing the symmetry here in the Father's commission to his. As Jesus was sent down to earth, we are now being sent out into our communities to continue that mission. I like Paul's reminder of this command in Romans 10. He really plainly helps us understand a person's journey in coming to know God and how this command kind of slots in there. Starting from verse 13, again, Romans 10, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, Paul is helping us work backward from our end goal, which is people coming to know God, right? All the way back to Jesus actually sending us to initiating that command. He's helping contextualize the importance of this command while also helping us clearly understand that this is a first step. Right? Those verses contribute to the idea or saying that someone has to say it so that others can hear it, so that someone can respond to it. Have you heard that before? Sometimes the last line is so someone can obey it. But someone has to say it so that others can hear it, so that someone can respond to it. We can think of one of the chief sins of Israel is that they received the knowledge of God, but they didn't share it. But really, like, what does this actually mean for us this morning? Now that we have kind of that base level understanding of the importance and authority of this command, how do we tangibly actually go about making God known in light of him coming close to us, right? One way to do this, I think a really great way to do this, is to get involved in the lives of those around you. Don't be afraid to engage with those that you might not normally engage with. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but to me, the world people just feel so lonely. I don't know if it's residuals of the pandemic or if it's just the front door Canadian mentality or maybe it's, it is just me. I you know, was in university where you have a bunch of friends and you live the same social life. You're around each other 24 seven. Uh, and I graduated a few years ago and so it does feel like those relationships are a little bit more stale than they were before. But to me, it just feels like more and more people are craving real relationships. The past uh, two weeks, the past two Thursday nights to be specific, I only went the first night, but some of us from Restoration joined Jeff Hesselink and a few others at the Vineyard Church here in town to just serve meals and be present and talk with the marginalized in our community as part of Jeff's Mission to the Margin ministry. It did definitely push a lot of us to do something that wasn't uh, natural or comfortable for us, but that experience revealed so well to me, everyone's need for community. I was walking to my car and I did have that kind of gut feeling like, ugh, like I don't really know that I wanna do this or I'm nervous or I feel a little anxious. And I think that that was because that, like I was just going to a place where I didn't know how I fit in. I didn't know my role. I don't love mingling either. So then there was gonna be a lot of mingling there. And so I was just kind of nervous and anxious about it. But the importance of being present with those that are often overlooked or walked past at a brisk pace was made so clear so quickly. I mean, Jeff says, and I think Aaron has actually said this on his behalf a number of times to us, that what this group really longs for is just to be talked to, to be interacted with and seen. And that was so quickly, like verbatim told to me, right? Like, thank you for just talking with me. Thanks for being here with us were things that I heard multiple times throughout that night. And it was just such a 
meaningful opportunity for members of our church to kind of step out in faith together to engage with those that we might not normally engage with. And that is a part of your ministry in making Christ known. And I know some of you might be thinking, that sounds like jumping into the deep end. And while opportunities like that are really valuable and needed, I'll say and needed as well, that doesn't need to be your first step, right? That doesn't need to be your starting point. You can simply be involved in the lives of those that you already do engage with a lot, but in new ways or ways that aren't expected of you. Um, you can invite that coworker and their family over for dinner. Ask that friend you know is struggling out for coffee. Maybe even have the courage to make that a regular thing. Make time in your busy schedule to connect with your roommate or family member or whoever it is. That is your sphere of influence, or if it makes you a little bit more excited about doing that, that is the sphere of people that God can influence through you despite any awkwardness or discomfort. Get and stay involved in the lives of those around you. My second point is to initiate meaningful and personal conversation. Diving into the more awkward bits now, which I love. Uh, but if you're going to get involved, make the most of that opportunity, right? Arouse people's curiosity and take a genuine interest by asking questions about someone's experience with faith or what they find challenging about life or what they think their purpose in life is or whatever it might be. Again, a reminder of what Colin already said, intimacy can only be formed through genuine communication. And in my experience, whenever I try to initiate this kind of conversation, it always circles back to that thing I mentioned before, which is just people are lonely. People all the time will tell me, like, I just feel really alone. And not only does this provide an opportunity for me or for you, should this come up in your conversation, to consider how we can be present in that need for that person, but it also provides an easy opportunity for you to discuss the community you have at church or the friends you've made there or a God that draws close. There's a million different directions you could go with it, but it just opens the door for you to share and take an interest in that person. Naturally, I'm also human, and I know that there are limits to this, right? Some people will shut you down pretty quickly, right? They won't want to share. They won't want to let you pass the front door, as it were. Um, however, and I think I really want to stress this, however, I would encourage you to not let that stop you from doing this at all or to let that stop you from praying that the Lord would show you a way in there. In Colossians 4, Paul and Timothy, kind of Timothy writing on behalf of Paul, are talking to the Colossian church a lot about the stuff that we're talking about right now. Starting in verse 3, again, this is Colossians 4, verse 3, it says, At the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Basically, they're asking God, like, tell us and show us how and when to initiate these conversations. But then they even take it like that one step further and say, just tell us what to say. Like, we're willing, but we know that you can give us the exact words to say when we need them as well. And we ask that you would do that. I love verse 6. I'll read it again, which says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Basically, he's saying just meet people where they're at, right? Listen, find common ground, ask questions, use language that is personal and understandable while not compromising the truth of the gospel or undervaluing our just and perfect God. And most importantly, never stop praying, I'm saying it again, never stop praying that the Lord would show you that way into those conversations. My last point, 
is to be consistent. Don't let yourself get into this one and done mentality. Pursuing someone can be very challenging. I think that we, and I very much, I'm talking to myself here as well, very, very much, can get into this mindset of, like, I just need to make it through this coffee date, or I'll text them, but like, please do not text me back, right? <laughs> and while I think there are times where we maybe should step back and switch that mentality of just fervent prayer, like, Lord, show me a way in here, it is still our responsibility to be persistent through some awkwardness with the radical, life-abending truth of a gracious and close God. It's my favorite part because I get to say this name. Rosaria Butterfield. I mean, come on. Is that the best name you've ever heard in your life? Rosaria Butterfield is the author of a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, which I, in all honesty, have not read. But Laura, <laughs> Laura has read it, and I've listened to a 15-minute podcast where she talks about it. So I've basically read it. And in this book, she talks about the idea of radical hospitality and how her house has become, stop giggling, has become almost like an outpost for her church to serve people, to invite people in, and just care for them. But she does not do this alone. It's her house, but she doesn't do it alone. She has realized, and I pray that we realize this as well this morning, that this kind of command we read in John 20, 21 doesn't need to be for just you to do on your own. Other people from her church come over and they serve together, they cook meals together, they'll do dishes, they'll sit with people, they'll talk, they'll pray, they'll do whatever it is needed because they realize the value of stewarding this command together. She says that sometimes they don't have enough food or chairs or people show up 45 minutes early and it, she says it is a little awkward sometimes. But you just figure it out. She also says that that awkward is nothing that awkwardness is nothing compared to the cross or grace, which can be downright uncomfortable sometimes. A key verse in her mission is Psalm 68, 5-6. I'm kind of a diehard ESV guy, but I love how the NIV finishes up this passage. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. I'll read that again. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Amen. To close, to close. Honestly, Landon, that all still sounds kind of uncomfortable and pretty awkward still. Like, I, I really do get the merit and the obligation of everything you're saying. I get it. But this is a post-Christian world, sir. Right? Making people uncomfortable is bad. I need to provide for my family. I can't make waves. I don't want to rock the boat. So... Like, I have a job to keep, but I can't do any of this. Like, how do you expect me to actually do this well? Well, let me take us back to John 20, 21 again. But this time, let's read a little bit further. So, so John 20, 21. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And now a little bit further, it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We see that all three persons of the Godhead are involved here, right? The Father sent the Son, and now the Son sends us with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father initiates all things, the Son accomplishes all things, and the Spirit applies all things. If we, I really do believe this. If we actively pursue God in his word, in prayer and meditation, the Spirit can and will provide us the words to say in these moments. 
I really don't, I want to encourage you to not let the feelings of, I don't know, like, what if they ask me this question or what my beliefs are on X, Y, Z, like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to let that feeling stop you. The Spirit of God is with us to teach and support us in these moments. So, kind of wanting to refer to Jesus as our perfect example, right, going back to our verse, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. I like his interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well as our uncomfortably close example. Uh, Jesus strikes up a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well, as I said, which normally would be a bit strange as he, a Jewish man, and her, a woman of Samaria, just, they did not interact. It just didn't happen. But he strikes up a conversation. He asks her for water, and I like how she just kind of immediately calls him on this. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Basically, we should not be talking. It was probably a bit startling and uncomfortable for her, I would imagine, but Jesus doesn't stop there. They have a conversation. They just talk, and Jesus reveals all these things that he knew about her that no one else really knew. It's quite the master class in Jesus not shying away from the uncomfortable stuff. But when it comes down to it, we see that this really struck her. This interaction really struck her. And she brings other people to meet him as well. And I think that what really got to her was that Jesus just shows her that he understood her. right? He knew and he understood her. He related to her personally. And I, that's what I want to encourage us with this morning. That's our calling. Despite the awkwardness, despite the discomfort and fear of not knowing what to say, we are called to get involved in the lives of those around us to share and demonstrate the gospel in real personal ways in light of a Savior that has already done this for you and I. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this time to gather together. I pray that uh, we were really encouraged by the word that you had for us this morning, Lord. Would we realize that following you can sometimes be just simply uncomfortable? It requires us to share and extend outside of what we find comfortable, give up our time. It can be a lot of things, but what a gift it is to be a part of such an amazing uh, mission to spread your news, Lord, and to spread your peace and message of love to the world. And so I pray that we would be excited to take up that torch, uh, but I pray that we would also have the understanding that we don't need to do this alone. You know, we have a church family here for many reasons, one of which is to shoulder our burdens, right, and encourage each other. And so I pray that we would do that in the form of uh, opening our house together, finding opportunities to serve together, just being involved as a church family together in our community.